0: All right, to the coaches listening at the moment, do you consider yourself educators? Do you call yourself a teacher? A Coach's Guide to Teaching. That's a new book from Doug Lemoff, a frequent guest here on the Coaching Academy. Previously wrote Teach Like a Champion. And I'd encourage you to go uh, follow his blog at teachlikeachampion.com. Uh, also the director of Uncommon Schools. And he's all- also part of the teaching staff for U.S. Soccer Pro License Director's Courses. And uh, well, Doug, uh, welcome. Congratulations on the new book, man.
1: Thanks. I'm glad it's uh, I think I'm glad it's done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, my wife has uh, penned four books, academic books, and uh, I, I I recognize the torture and uh, whether you look, you put it out and you wonder, well, yeah, is this is this the the way I really wanted it to read? <laughs> yeah. A friend
1: of mine says, uh, I, I, I hate writing. I love having, having written um but I'm, that's a
0: good phrase well, too yeah. it's,
1: it's an interesting one though too because there's just so much to learn about this topic and there's so much happening in terms of the science that um you know, it was really hard to let this book go uh and you know as of course as soon as i finished the manuscript then i read like five things and i was like i oh, should put that in
0: the book so. <laughs> well that's going to continue to develop but uh, let's go the, one of the first times uh, we had you on and uh, and presented some of your stuff you had recently done a a course with the I think it was the pro license when it was first underway for U.S. Yeah. soccer. And you uh, you presented something to the coaches. It was a middle middle school uh, orchestral instructor. Yeah. And in your book's introduction, I don't know if it was the exact same situation, but uh, I'd like you to take us back for a moment because you, you talk about your uncertainty yeah. at one point as to whether this was going to resonate with with our top professional coaches in the states and uh, but it ended up working tell that story a yeah. little
1: bit so i had agreed to do this workshop on you know coaching is teaching so i have lots of video of teachers in the classroom doing amazing things and so i agreed to do this workshop it was the pro license course It was the first one that that uh, u.s soccer did you know it's a room full of um People I have admired all my life were the top, you know, like a series of MLS coaches. uh, You know, watched play. I've watched them coach. um, Pretty nervous as it is, and I'm walking up to the front of the the room, and my plan is I'm going to start by showing them video of a high school math teacher. And I just remember walking up to the front of the room. Right before I started to walk up, I was like, I couldn't believe that I that I had decided to do that, and I was like, this is going to be a disaster. Like they're they're just going to sit there and look at me funny and be like, why are you showing me video of of math teachers? But at this point, like I I had just decided and I've been introduced, I'm standing up at the front of the room and they're all looking at me. So I had no choice. I just, I pressed play on the video and it showed about a minute of it. And it's this fascinating to me, fascinating video about the math teacher. He's, you know, he's circulating as, um, as students are doing the math problem and he's really clear about what he's looking for. And he's giving individual students feedback. And I pause the video and I'm fully expecting crickets, which is teacher talk for, you know, you ask a question and nobody wants to answer it. But um, you know, one of the coaches right away was like, he's talking, to, he's coaching everybody. And at this point, like, I'm, I'm still really nervous. So I'm thinking like, I was just being nice and trying to you know, break the awkwardness for <laughs> yeah. me. And I said, I said, we'll say a little more. And he said, well, you know, he's connecting with every person and showing every student in that class that their progress is important to him. And lots of guys on our team, he's talking about his professional, you know, the professional team, for days at a time, they don't hear from us. We don't, you know, they don't get feedback from us. And that's, I now realize, I'm now asking myself what that looks like from their perspective and whether they feel like they matter to the club. And, you know, and that developing people is one of the ways that you show them that you're important. And then another coach jumped in and he said, you know, you really can't build relationships at this level unless you can make people better. You know, you can slap people on the back and high five them, but like they want to play. And they want to get. They want to be great. And unless you can show them that you care enough to want to get them there, and that you can get them there, you're not going to be able to build relationships with with athletes. And so I thought that was it was tremendous to me for two reasons. I, I mean, I was, I was really ha- I was really happy. First of all, big, that it wasn't big going sigh to be, of relief. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was really happy that it wasn't going to be a painfully awkward hour and a half. <laughs> um, I was really happy that looking at video of classroom teachers was useful and fascinating to as useful and fascinating to coaches as it was to me but then i was also just struck by how how insightful they were how humble they were in you know tearing apart this math teachers video and how useful their insights were actually for classroom teachers interestingly too because a lot of you know this whole idea of like how do you build relationships you build a relationship by teaching someone strangely it's not always clear to classroom teachers but anyway so um so that was kind of one of the places where this book began
0: yeah now across uh, the time you've uh, you've spent with with coaches, have you found that a lot of coaches don't refer or think of themselves as teachers?
1: I'm always surprised by how little it gets to, you know, for that idea to resonate. Many of them are former teachers or work, you know, work as teachers at the same time. But I think they as soon as you start to describe teaching problems and teaching challenges to them, they, you know, if they're not already there, they're there very quickly because they live with these, you know, the challenges every day of like how do I know whether people are making any progress and how do you know how do I assess their progress and how do I you know I have kids who are I have players athletes who are resistant to feedback or seem to me resistant to feedback and how do I make them more receptive to feedback and how do I focus my feedback more Um, and uh, you know why do we do something over and over in practice and have it not show up in the game (laughs) I'm like I've at halftime. I'm like, guys, we talked about this all week. Where's, you know, we, we talked about pressing all week. Where is it? And so I think that, um, quite the, you know, quite the, I find, I find coaches really, really receptive to the topic of there's so much out there and like, what drills can you run? What, what's the tactics look like? And there's very, very little to help coaches with the logistics of teaching a group of eight-year-olds or 14-year-olds or 18-year-olds or 23-year-olds. Um, to master a variety of complex tasks. You know, it's, it's a teaching challenge, and there's just very little out there on, on the specifics of teaching for coaches.
0: All right, we're with Doug Lemoff. His new book is A Coach's Guide to Teaching. So let's go few, through some of the chapters, sure. and, uh, maybe uh, some of the uh, more important areas um, of each chapter and, and how you uh, went about deciding that this was going to be part of the book. Uh, so chapter one is Decision-Making and the Under-Acknowledged Role of perception. Yeah. So uh give us uh, an introduction to that chapter.
1: Yeah well decision making is so important to coaches you know it's it's the soul of the game of, of soccer. Um and it's a really hard thing to teach. And I think one of the you know there's this just great very simple phrase that Todd Bean said to me it all starts with perception, which is you can't make the right decision if you're not looking at the right cues. If you're not gathering the right information with your eyes, you know, do you have, we have 11 million sensory receptors in our brain of which 10 million are visual. And so if you want to change someone's perce- someone's brain you have to change what they look at. So lots of times in a training session, we might stop a session and say to kids, well, what should you do here? And one of the things I realized in the course of writing this chapter is that sometimes a better question is, what do you see? What should you be, what are you looking at? What should you be looking at? Or, what do you see is almost diagnostic. It asks a player to describe what they think is the highest priority thing in the visual field. So like a decent example, of this might be, you've got a center back and um, there's no pre- the, you know, he's defending, there's no pressure on the ball in the midfield. And so he should probably drop off, but he fails to drop off. And you could pause it and you could say, Glenn, what should you do there? You know, what should we do in this situation? And there you're asking about the decision, but in some ways, I think it's better to be Glenn. What do you see? right? And, the, and hopefully you would say, there's no pressure on the ball, right? And then I can say, right, and what do we do when there's no pressure on the ball? But if you say something like, no one's hustling, like that tells me you don't know what to look for. And so like, mm-hmm. no wonder you're making that mistake. You don't know what the cue is. Or um, we're disorganized, tells me that you're looking, you still don't know what the, prior, what the priority thing to look at. And so then I want to direct your eyes. And if I can do that and help you know where to look in a situation like that, then you have a replicable decision. You know know the cue and you know where to look and you're more likely to make the decision. But I think so many times, you know, a kid doesn't pass the ball in a situation and we presume that the kid saw the option and chose not to take it. When in fact, it's just as likely that the kid never saw it. And so, you know, like, what are the keys to seeing something? Well, one, you have to kind of expect, (laughs) one, I think you have to automate skill so that you're able to look and think about and you have your eyes off and be thinking but then you know one of the biggest influences on perception is background knowledge if you you know the more you know the more you see and that's um sometimes counterintuitive to a lot of educators you know i think we think that background background knowledge is mere facts and it's not very important and you can just google anything but in fact i think the cognitive science is really clear that you perceive more about things that you know more about and so investing in um Background, you know, and like having a really clear game model or principles of play and having shared vocabulary so that you can talk about, you can build kids' background knowledge and having a curriculum. Those things really help kids to perceive better on the field.
0: even, uh, I can't remember what part of the book, it might have been chapter three. Uh, you talk about maybe an injury timeout. Some of the members of the team came over to the coach and, uh, you said the coach should ask the question, what do you see? Where should you look instead of what could, or should you do? Now you just explained that, but here we are in the, in the midst of a game and you're still asking the same thing. Yeah. Well,
1: I think, um, you know, I think this is a really another interesting question that will come up in, in chapter six is like, what's the difference between coaching in the game and coaching in, in in the training session. And oftentimes, um, you know, we tend to make short run decisions coaching in a game, right. Uh, but that's a much more long run approach, which is I want to develop my players for the long run. I should, I should help guide their eyes and help them think about what they should be looking at. In fact, one, I think really fascinating idea is players spend a lot of time watching. They're on the bench during a game. You've got, you know, you've got three teams of eight that you're rotating through, you know, it's eight V eight with eight on the side, watching, what are those guys watching? What are they learning while they're watching and giving them tasks to do or things to track this one coach from Wisconsin? She had this brilliant idea. She just had her, players track the quality of passes that their teammates made during the game and suddenly they were as opposed to passively watching the game they were watching to understand and making all sorts of observations about the sorts of passes and uh, that you know that they were making as a team
0: yeah, and, and I thought a good example Doug Doug Lemoff, our guest uh, that you used as far as the importance of decision making uh, you talk about and we've all seen this and been <laughs> through this where a player is physically dominant at an early age yeah and then as people grow around them and you know and then they get to a certain point where the physical domination uh no longer uh is as impactful and they need something else yeah a lot of that would be making proper decisions yeah i think that's
1: i think some of the players that we coach the worst are the players who are physical outliers early on and so it's creates this really challenging dilemma for us as a coach, which is they can cause us to win games and feel successful by doing things that are not sustainable. And we can encourage them to feast on balls over the long balls over the top or heavy, you know, heavy touches that only they can catch up to or playing individually. When in the end, like there will always be 11 of them and one of them and 11 of the opposition, and they will figure out a way to contain them. And so, right. One of the, I just think one of the key challenges of coaching is having the discipline to spot that kid early and teach that player the way to play for the long term. The way that, you know, how will you be successful when everyone is athletic? When you get to the level when everyone is athletic and the other team is sophisticated and you can't exploit easy things. And I just, that's I think it's a, it's a really hard challenge um, as a coach. And I think there's just a lot of... Um, it requires a lot of discipline. That's a hard thing, but there are just a lot of players out there who are allowed to continue playing that way. And the, I think the thing about decision-making well, I, is me, you, difficult- can't, you can't, turn it on like a faucet, right? You can't right. Day, say, I want you to start making good decisions. It's based on your aggregation of experiences for years. you have to be like looking at the right things and making good decisions for years. And so suddenly we'd t- say to that kid, okay, now I want you to start passing and it, it doesn't work that way. Like the hour has already gotten very late by the time they're 14 and you're telling them they should start playing the team game.
0: Well, I, but the, cha- the biggest challenge to me is telling a seven or eight year old who is yeah. dominant is having success that, look, I'm looking it's just like all our kids. We always tell them, look, uh, this will benefit you years later. Kids don't want to or care about hearing that at the moment.
1: That's what the adults are supposed to. I mean, the, 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 and you, there should be joy in playing now and we should let kids be successful. And, you know, they should you should get to dribble. Uh, if you're great dribbling when you're seven, it's a balance. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that the adults are supposed to do is help young people manage for the long run and see, uh, see, you know, be prepared for the long view. And it, you know, it's a challenging, thing, it. but cri- a, a critical piece of coaching.
0: But now before we leave that chapter, um, yeah. and I have enjoyed since meeting you that you take uh, different aspects of the uh, teaching outside of soccer uh you have a pianist vision tracking section there's a video i did not see the video i know it's self-contained uh in in the book uh or you you go to a certain uh website to watch it uh what how is how did that help with the decision making or seeing ahead yeah that's what we're trying to do we're trying to see ahead of things
1: well this video is really fascinating because it takes a world-class piano player and compares what he looks at while he plays to one of his students, who's a very good, pian- very good musician, but she's not at his elite level. And they're wearing eye tracking glasses. And there are a bunch of, there are several dis- differences that emerge, but one of them is, is a concept that scientists call the quiet eye, which is you would think that an expert engaged in a task would be looking at more things and taking in more information than a novice. But in fact, it's the opposite. Her eyes are much busier than his because his know where to lock in uh, to find the right cues, right? To find where he should put his hands on the keys, to find where the, where the, um, the spot where the music is. And so they actually chart the, you know, just the, range of, the range of motion of their eyes and her eyes are busier than his. And this finding has been replicated in you know, uh, hitters in baseball at home plate. A novice hitter is nervously looking around for a variety of visual cues and an expert hitter is locked in on the most important cues, which are the the arm channel, the shoulder and the hips of the pitcher often without even knowing that they're doing this is really interesting. Another part of the piano video, which is the, the, the musicians don't know what their eyes are doing while they're observing. And so the idea here is that expertise is knowing where to look, that an expert takes in less information than a novice and that, you know, An expert knows what's signal and what's noise. And I know that that's, you know, it's the same on the soccer pitch.